Welcome to the First Church Message of the Week podcast. Thanks for listening in. Prayer is an essential part of our lives and connection to God. How and why does it matter? What does it mean for us to commit to supporting the church with our prayers? And why is that so important? We might ask ourselves, does God really answer prayer? And how do we know that God is listening? In this week's Message of the Week, we begin our Stewardship Worship series titled Membership to Discipleship, Our Greater Mission. We start this series with a message from Pastor Bryce Blank. He shares from Romans 8 and focuses on how we can grab hold of the power of prayer. Here is the First Church Message of the Week. Please pray with me. Wonderful God, we seek to hear your voice today. And as we seek to be transformed and moved by you, we ask that we would be open to receiving what you have to say to us today, that we might hear it and that we might leave with confidence, knowing how we are to be your disciples in the world. In this we pray. Amen. So as part of community here at First Church, we all have the opportunity to join as official members of the church. Joining in official membership means we get a nice laminated card to keep in our purse or wallet. It means we get free snacks and coffee every week. It means that as long as we pay our membership fees during the time of offering, we're welcome to be here. Being an official member means we get exclusive benefits to God's club, that we get first dibs on our spot in the pew every week, and that some of us have already claimed those spots for life. I do know. (laughs) If you're a visitor, by the way, and you feel an unhealthy amount of energy or negative looks towards your way, it's not you, it's the spot you're sitting in, okay? Just know that. Being a member also means that we get a free meal at least once a month. We call that communion. And uh, we get some juice and bread, so it's not the most balanced meal, but it'll do. All jokes aside, though, membership in the church looks different than many other types of membership that we might hold or have in other places. Membership in the church is a step toward being more committed to this community, more committed than we might have previously been. As part of membership or the membership vows in the United Methodist Church, we vow to offer ourselves in five ways. We vow to offer ourselves through our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. And over the course of the next several weeks, we'll look at each of these things and how it impacts our daily lives. We'll ask the introspective question of how these five things are helping us to accomplish the mission of our church in the United Methodist Church, which is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Membership is an official step that we might choose, but we don't have to. But all of us can take steps to be better disciples of Jesus. And our challenge over the course of this series will be to see how we can move from simple participation or simple membership to life-giving and loving disciples of Jesus Christ. So today, we're going to take a look at the first of those five things, which is prayer. 
And we'll look to scripture to see what it has to say for us today. So we're going to look at Romans chapter 8, verses 24 through 30. And I invite you to follow along with me on the screens. We were saved in hope. If we see what we hope for, that isn't hope. Who hopes for what they already see? But if we hope for what we don't see, we wait for it with patience. In the same way, the Spirit comes to help our weakness. We don't know what we should pray, but the Spirit himself pleads our case with unexpressed groans. The one who searches hearts knows how the Spirit thinks because he pleads for the saints consistent with God's will. We know that God works all things together for good for the ones who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. We know this because God knew them in advance, and he decided in advance that they would be conformed to the image of his son, that way his son would be the first of many brothers and sisters. Those who God decided in advance would be conformed to his son, he also called. Those whom he called, he also made righteous. Those whom he made righteous, he also glorified. This is the word of God spoken to us today. So the book of Romans, which this, chat, this passage comes from, that we just read, is considered to be one of the last writings of the Apostle Paul. In it, we can see how Paul has matured in his faith, how he's grown closer to God. Because Paul himself has struggled quite a bit with his faith and what it looks like to live it out. But ultimately, over the course of that struggle, he has been able to become a better disciple of Jesus. Throughout all of his letters, we see many different ideas and practices that he struggled with. He knew that being a disciple of Jesus Christ is not just a one-time choice that we make. That it's something that has to be struggled with, has to be learned, and over time discerned on how to live it out. Over the course of Paul's ministry... He struggled with issues like whether the gospel was for Gentiles and Jews or just Jews, whether males needed to be circumcised or not, how Christian community was to act as the body of Christ, how we are to find joy in times of extreme hardship and difficulty. And Paul experienced much of that. He was thrown in prison multiple times. He was put on trial. He was interrogated. He was often beaten by those who opposed him. So Paul knew what it felt like to struggle. And during the whole of Paul's life, after he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, he struggled on how to maintain being faithful to God while also navigating that in a world that didn't want to hear the love of Jesus. Paul suffered a lot, and so did the early Christians of his day. Along with the outward suffering that they experienced, they also struggled internally as they had to figure out how to live as people who give of themselves, taking on the selfless attitude of Jesus. And as it turns out for them and for us, Giving of ourselves is one of the most difficult things to do. It requires patience. It requires practice. It requires a whole shift in our mindset from the urges that we might have uh, to act the way the world tells us to and to have the willpower to live counter to those we see around us. 
For the Christians in Rome, fighting the instinct to, to live selflessly was truly suffering. They were people living spiritually dead, and they didn't know what it meant to live in the truth of Jesus. And as Christians growing closer to God and living as disciples of Jesus, it's hard to do. Like the Christians in Rome, we too are spiritually dead people. At times we are prideful. At times we have a hard time admitting when we are wrong. We sometimes refuse to listen to people who believe different than us or think different than us. And sometimes when we're faced with a need, we turn to what is easier, what is more comfortable, rather than what will actually provide help. We are spiritually dead people. Spiritually dead people relying on our own devices to fix and change our world. Sometimes in doing so, we perpetuate pain and hurt and suffering around us. And we might look around and see all of the hurt and pain in our world. It doesn't take much looking to see the hurt in Israel and Ukraine as nations are fighting against each other, innocent people dying for the sake of power. We look around and we see companies choosing wealth while people without the means for medicine die of sickness and disease. We see leaders choosing to be right or winning over what is best representing the people that they are there for. We are spiritually dead people, unsure of what it means to live in the truth of Jesus. And for most of us, we understand all too well what suffering looks and feels like, and we feel lost to change the situation of our world. We might think to ourselves from time to time, I don't need God, I'm doing fine by myself. Or we might think, well, God is it's just too strict. I don't, with all the things I have going on, all the problems I'm trying to already solve, I don't need these rules bogging me down. Maybe we think, I'm good with God. I'm good where I'm at. I do the church thing occasionally. I try to live my life as a good person. That's good enough for me. We tell ourselves a lot of things that allow us to look past the needs of our world and our place in it. We convince ourselves that there really isn't anything we can do to offer to our communities, to offer to the hurt that we see. And even as Christians, we don't see how things can get better. We only look around and see things getting worse and worse. Maybe you get that feeling from time to time too. Instead of healing and understanding, we see violence, we see hate with no way forward. And without direction, without guidance, we become dead inside. Without being able to strive forward, we become dead inside. As Christians, we want God to help, right? But we want change to happen on our terms, by our hand, not by God's. But by our own devices, we are ineffective to enact any change for good in our world. We are ineffective to change our world for the good without Jesus in our lives. Now, Paul, he could relate to that. He saw the struggles around him, and he knew of a time when he was spiritually dead, trying to change the world through hate and through violence. He was once a very strict and religious man 
who often turned and stoned others for not believing and practicing the way he thought they should. He knows what it's like to be dead inside and see the hurt of the world without any ability to change it. But thankfully, for the Christians in Rome and for us today, he also knows what it means to be alive, to live a new life following Jesus. Paul understands that the Christians in Rome don't know how to enact any change, any positive change for good in the world. They have suffered inside and out with no progress in sight. But he has this to offer them. He has this to lean into. He says, we were saved by hope. If we see what we hope for, that isn't hope. Who hopes for what they already see? But if we hope for what we don't see, we wait for it with patience. We were saved in hope. The hope that Paul's referring to is the easy Sunday school answer, right? It's Jesus. And while Christians that he's addressing can't see a world without pain, without suffering, in the hope of Jesus, they have a way forward. A way in Jesus, they are saved. In Jesus, they have hope. But the change that they're hoping for, that they're looking for, that Jesus brings, is not one that can be seen right away. The transformation that Jesus offers doesn't usually come overnight. It's a goodness in love that needs to be waited on with patience. And so that's where prayer comes in. Paul says, in the same way, the Spirit comes to help our weakness. We don't know what we should pray, but the Spirit himself pleads our case with unexpressed groans. For those who choose to believe in God, in a God they can't see, they find help in their weakness. In other words, when we don't know who to turn to or where to turn, coming to God in prayer is where we find hope. Choosing a relationship with God is where we find hope. Reaching out to God is where our hope or where our spirit comes alive. This is what Paul knew for the Christians in Rome, and this is what he knows for us today. We are dead ineffective to enact any change for good in our world. But in our prayer, God acts on our behalf. The Holy Spirit pleads our case with unexpressed groans, as we read in Scripture. Talking with God, that is, praying, having a conversation, is the starting point of our relationship with Jesus. It's the starting point of us becoming alive. It's the starting point of being a new person. It's the starting point of transforming our world and this transformation that starts within us. So do you doubt the power of prayer? Do you doubt that it can change or transform our world for any sort of good? Because if you do doubt that, I don't blame you. I have been there. I have doubted the power of prayer to actually have any change or effect on my life or those around me. But I have been wrong over and over when I've doubted that. Martin Luther once said, none can believe how powerful prayer is and what it is able to affect, but those who have learned it by experience. We might doubt 
the power of prayer to change our world. But we won't know unless we try. And the key to transformative prayer is that it starts with a change in us. We often think of prayer as God acting on our behalf. But when we talk to God, it is us who actually experiences the change. We are the source of transformation as God works the change in us. When we choose to reach out to God, we are acting to make change. And much like getting to know a stranger where you, the more you talk, the more deeper your conversation goes, the more you get to know someone. For us, the more we get to know God when we, when we pray. So reach out to God in prayer. And if you've never taken that step to really reach out and talk to God, do it with honesty. Do it with openness. As Lori said earlier, there are no right words. We often don't know what it is that we need to say. We don't know how to say it. But the good thing is we don't have to filter our thoughts. We don't have to filter our words. So if we are crying, if we are just mad, that's okay. That's, that's the place we come from when we talk to God. If we approach God with honesty, we can share what it is that we really are concerned about. We can share our fears. We can share the ramble that comes out in our head. God cares that we open our hearts. We look no further than the example of Jesus, who in the Garden of Gethsemane opened his heart with honesty to God by asking if he could be spared from death on the cross. Prayer makes us effective in changing our world for the good by the transformation that happens in us. Prayer makes us God's vessels for goodness. Prayer points us towards Jesus and his love. Talking to God brings us closer to God, God's will, God's power, and who God is calling us to be in the world. Prayer is thought of less as an activity for God and more of an awareness of God. Let me say that again. Prayer is less of an activity for God and more of an awareness of God. And so our goal then is to live in uninterrupted awareness of God in our lives and in the world. When it comes to membership, prayer is just one of the things that we commit ourselves to in this church. And no, church or commitment to church membership does not mean we get a fancy card. It doesn't mean we have the all extreme access to heaven or that we even get a placard for our spot in the pews, even if we might want it. <laughs> but by committing ourselves to membership in this church, in this community, it means that we are surrounded by prayer. As we commit to pray two and four, one another. Our world might seem bleak at times, especially as those of us who are trying to follow Jesus. It might feel like there isn't a way forward as we experience the sufferings of discipleship and all the pain and the hurt in our world. But in Jesus, we have hope. And in God, the power of prayer to transform our lives, to draw us closer to Jesus, enables us to turn and offer that hope to the world. 
So let us offer our prayers as hope today. Let us pray. Constant God, our prayer today is simple. We ask you to help us have a conversation with you. We ask that you would break down anything that has held us back from growing our relationship with you. We ask that we might be able to feel comfortable enough to share anything and everything that is on our hearts, knowing that in prayer, the change that we desperately want for our world happens and starts with us. That being being drawn closer to you and coming to know your son Jesus more, we might be able to share the hope that he is for our lives to a world that sometimes feels hopeless. In this we pray today. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the First Church Message of the Week. To stay connected, subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook. For more information like our church calendar, worship times, and upcoming events, visit our website at watertownfirst.church. This has been the First Church Message of the Week.